So the first segment of today's show is going to be a conversation with Shuli Galili, founding partner at UpWest Labs. Shuli, welcome to the show. It's great to have you. Thank you. Good morning. Thank you for having me. Good morning. So tell us a little bit about yourself as well as UpWest Labs. Introduce our audience to uh, your work. Thank you so much. So um, I co-founded UpWest Labs 2012, uh, so it's been almost seven years. Uh, we've been um, really building a platform and a fund to invest and support um, very early stage uh, pre-seed and seed founders, uh, primarily out of Israel. Uh, mm -hmm. We are based in Palo Alto, um, Fulton Valley, and uh, have been um, so far invested in over 70 companies. Uh, and uh, we're on our third fund uh, where we are heavily focused on um, several industries, uh, but uh, really because of the stage we invest, we are very, very founder um, founder focused and obviously market market focused. Uh, it helps that we are here based in Silicon Valley and we are um, obviously spending a lot of time in Israel on the ground as well. But we've we've kind of been the bridge for a lot of uh, entrepreneurs who are looking to access the U.S. market as soon as possible. Uh, before Upwest Labs, I ran the California Israel Chamber of Commerce for 11 years. Um, I started that in 2000, and that was a, kind of an industry icon association that served industry, um, primarily big companies that were looking for innovation outside of, of the U.S., and Israel was one of the places that they found a lot of that, uh, as well as entrepreneurs' uh, programs uh, that were um, really focused on accessing their U.S. market as soon as possible. So, so how this, big, is, uh, this, is, this is my background. Yeah, great. How big is the fund, the third fund of UpWest now? So we're managing about $30 million under management. The third fund is, a, is almost $20 million. So we started pretty small. Our first mm -hmm. fund was $2 million. It was uh, um, primarily uh, an opportunity for us to really test and see how we can really build a, a very, very robust platform for founders who have, you know, tremendous technical abilities and skills and huge vision, but their distance from the market really hinders them from really yeah. taking it to the next stage. Um, so we really started very small, wanted to see if we really can, um, you know, build this and scale this later on. And so this is what we've been doing for the last seven years. Um, and, uh, and, and it's been really a great journey and huge privilege to be able to, uh, to, to be part of it. Now, how do you define pre-seed and how do you define seed? Because as you know, the, we are seeing a very big change in the um, early stage ecosystem these days whereby uh, there is, you know, there's a lot of fragmentation and segmentation going on in the pre-series A uh, stage of funding. So there is now pre-seed, seed, seed post-seed, pre-series A. 
uh, Close small series A, <laughs> large series A, etc. So how do you, when, in your definition, in your worldview, what is uh, what is seed? What is pre-seed? Oh, what is seed? I would say you're absolutely right. I mean, when I look at when we started and what was a normal seed round and founders in 2012 raised half a million dollar seed and later on were able to then go on and raise institutional rounds from Silicon Valley VCs, and that was an A round. Today, obviously, the seed ballooned to three or four and sometimes $5 million. It's really a different landscape. For us, the way we look at it, we are, in 90% of the time, we are the first check in our companies. So when we find um, entrepreneurs, and we like to say, you know, at a frighteningly early stage, meaning a lot of times it's the two founders or three founders, they have literally you know, a demo or a prototype of a product, and they are really seeking validation at that point from a first customer in order to understand really how and which direction they should be going about building this. So, so that's a pre-seed stage for sure. This is the first check into companies. Our average check is about 250 and it's really enough for them in order to be able to, you know, leap across, uh, you know, the world and come here to really understand what customer really will want to work with them on validation and, um, and help them in order to get to a proper seed round. Um, so are, they are, coming, are they coming to you with just the concept? Are they coming to you with some idea about what customers are looking for what yes. you know what what tells you that yes we want to give 250k to these two guys or these two girls so so founders typically find us um obviously through our network and you know for many of them they understand that you know upwest is is the destination for them in order to um have this kind of process of validation. What we look for is definitely founders with domain expertise, meaning that when, when they build something that is related to networking or to, you know, healthcare or to any kind of vertical, that they have that domain expertise and experience in building something related to the market they're, they're trying to, to go after. Um, it's important for us that they have um, some idea of their market, meaning, you know, where, which direction, which vertical they're going after, and, you know, maybe have an initial idea and assumption about the problem they're trying to solve, but they not necessarily need to have all the answers for us. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times this is the process that we go through with them in order to find that design partner that helps them to really hone down on solving a particular problem for a customer and then building a proper product for that. So this is really, um, this is really what we're focusing on. So, so yes, focusing on very, very uh, strong entrepreneurs with strong background and, and a pretty big market, um, not necessarily needing to have, you know, the product already. In some cases, we did 
invest in founders who already had a couple of customers in Israel and uh, were able mm-hmm. to test it locally with some banks or some local enterprises. Um, there are good things and bad things about that approach, in our opinion, uh, because testing it in your local market doesn't necessarily mean it will work in your real market. Uh, but, uh, but, but most of the time, um, most of the founders we've invested in really wanted the first customer to be, um, you know, in the real market, That's meaning the right. U.S. market. And um, the 70 companies that you have uh, invested in, what, what domain, what, can you give us some examples of areas that you like to invest in? Yes, definitely. So, you know, you, you look at Israel, obviously, you know, there are the things that you would typically expect out of Israel, um, and, and we know that Israel is very strong in enterprise and cybersecurity, particularly uh, domains. So we do have yeah. invested in about five companies um, who build cybersecurity solutions. I would say probably one of the most advanced companies that um, – uh, in our portfolio is inside a security company called Sentinel One in the endpoint security domain. Um, and uh, it's a company that is now close to 400 employees. Um, you know, they, they have reached incredible scale worldwide in terms of customers and, and, uh, and raised over $100 million already. So this is a company that the founders came out of checkpoints, Mm-hmm. They really knew that they want to build the next generation of antiviruses, but they really did not want to wait until, you know, somebody locally will test it. And they came through us. They came with us to, to, to basically test it locally with some pretty big customers that are with them until today. And, uh, and so they were able to then scale here in, in the U.S., leaving engineering in, in Tel Aviv. Um, We've also, you know, looked at other areas where Israel is very, very strong, and you look at some deep technology areas. So uh, we've invested in a company called Aerobotics. This is an autonomous drone technology company. Um, And so if you look at then kind of like the the platform of drones as, you know, a device or uh, a machine that can collect tremendous amount of data, aerial data using computer vision and AI in order to provide their customers then with the kind of insights that they don't currently have. So in 2015, we invested in aerobotics. Um, you know, it was, think of, at the time, that area of drone technology was pretty early in terms of commercialization. Um, this month, actually, aerobotics opened their um, Arizona uh, headquarters. Um, they are, you know, really expanded now to uh, many areas, but they're serving industrial players such as mining, homeland security, mm-hmm. oil and gas, and um, and uh, have scaled tremendously their both customer side as well as their robust system that they've built. Um, we've invested in um, other companies that are more SaaS and marketplace-related um, companies such as HoneyBook that is serving the event planning um, industry. They're based out of San Francisco and Tel Aviv. Um, and we primarily in the last few years, I would say, 
uh, focused heavily on the AI side of things mm-hmm. as well. So, um, so companies that are using AI to um, implement it in new industries and old industries as well. And so um, we're looking at companies who are doing predictions um, for smart cities in terms of congestions and accidents, as well as companies applying AI to um, more industrial side of things in order to predict downtime or uh, production of both manufacturing or chemical and oil uh, and gas companies. So it's pretty interesting to see the kind of broad and, and scope of things that we look at. We're very, we're very sector agnostic. We like to look at really a lot of wide range of things. We believe that, you know, out of Israel, you see really a lot of diverse entrepreneurs who come with, you know, really interesting backgrounds. Some of it is very technical. Some of it is not. Uh, but if you look, they're looking to really solve, you know, big problems in huge markets, and this is where we like to, you know, provide them kind of like their first, their first start. And uh, it sounds like you're mostly doing B2B. Is that a, a reasonable point? It's, yeah, I would say that most of our companies are B2B. Um, we do have a few companies that are more in this consumer side, um, you know, more, most recently, you know, in the esports domain. Uh, but I would say um, we've, we've done most of B2B in the last few mm-hmm. years, yes. Now, uh, can you share a little bit of what um, Israel's or the Israeli startup ecosystem's uh, philosophy right now? Are you, with, with mostly your B2B companies, is the assumption always that U.S. is the market that you're going after, or are you going after other markets as well, like the European markets or the Asian markets? So I would say that, um, you know, European markets and Asian markets are always interesting and, you know, becoming more and more relevant markets. But I think for a lot of Israeli companies, they are secondary and third markets to go after the U.S. Yeah, the U.S. is always the kind of the first market, I think, for 90% of the companies that we see. Um, They're looking at a a market that is, you know, very large, very cohesive, and, you know, and and much easier to access. Um, For some companies, you know, Europe is close and maybe, um, you know, a, a good place to start. From our experience, um, you know, it's a good place to go after you've conquered kind of like the U.S. the U.S. market. Well, and I think the the beauty of the U.S. market is it, the U.S. market knows how to buy early stage technology, and that is not necessarily true for um, you know all the other markets we're talking about. They're learning. It's not like they don't know. They're learning and. Some of them are interested, but it, it's uh, the U.S. market is a lot more mature system of how to bring in early stage technology uh, into the into their systems. Absolutely, absolutely, we see that um, we see that as well. I mean, the early adoption here of technology and in, in, in customers that are open to try and and to test 
uh, new things and, and new innovation is really a tremendous asset for startups that are starting out and they want to, you know, kind of navigate um, new areas and, and test their things. Um, and, and I think, you know, maybe for some companies, um, you know, it's safe to start elsewhere. I could tell you that, you know, aerobotics started in Australia because it has such big mm-hmm. mining um, mm-hmm. industry. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that was their first market where they were able to really, you know, capture the attention of a lot of great customers. And then the U.S. obviously followed. But I think for most companies, uh, primarily if you're building, you know, enterprise um, or SaaS-related companies, then the U.S. is a really safe bet. Well, and, and uh, you mentioned cybersecurity. Israel has always had a long track record of uh, cybersecurity uh, startups, and it's a very active area. It has always been an active area. It's an extremely active area now. Um, what are you seeing in your companies in terms of penetrating cybersecurity customers, partly because from what I'm hearing from a lot of the larger buyers of cybersecurity is that they are overwhelmed by the number of vendors out there. And that's very, um, you know, tough to, uh, for small companies to penetrate that, you know, large number of vendors, the vendor selection process, and, and to actually get to the buyer in large enterprises. How do you deal with that? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely a challenge. I would tell you that um, I think in the last two years uh, or three years, we've, you know, we've scaled back our cybersecurity investments for that reason. But we've, you know, we did invest uh, recently in a very exciting company in cybersecurity that, you know, is kind of taking on a more uh, kind of different approach. And, uh, um, you know, they're a super agile and, and very, um, uh, you know, using, a, you know, um, autonomy and, and, and um, very, you know, I would say sophisticated way to approach customers and to get them on board. Uh, but I agree with you that in the last three years, we've seen so many cybersecurity companies, and it was very hard to determine what will stick and what will not. And you see the, you know, the overwhelmed uh, CISOs in big companies that have to sift through many, many solutions. And I, you know, I do question, um, you know, how, how these companies are going to be able to, uh, to scale, seeing that wow. there's a lot of, there's a lot of uh, you know, super competitive landscape out there. Are you, um, as part of UpWest, is there a panel of CISOs who look at your companies? Yes, we work with, you know, I think we work with a lot of the industry, um, you know, CISOs in both, you know, here locally in Silicon Valley as well as across the U.S. Um, and I think, you know, they have their experience and they're so entrenched in, in understanding how to work with both ourselves and other players who have access to, you know, funnel of, of solutions out of Israel. Uh, so we do have a lot of relationship in the in the in the ecosystem of um, of both cyber, but not not necessarily only that. I mean, we have companies that are building infrastructure technology not related to cyber uh, in uh, in enterprises, and we've had um, you know great opportunity to work with the big players 
to be able to uh, both advise and look at uh, founders at the early stages in order to kind of guide them into, you know, what, what it is that they need to do long term in order to build a really great solution for enterprise. And uh, you mentioned your investments in AI. Of course, everybody, uh, all all investors are reporting right now that they're a, interested yeah. in AI and are seeing great deal flow in AI. Could you uh, give us a flavor of what are you seeing in the deal flow vis-a-vis -vis AI? What kinds of companies are, are you seeing, and what companies, what kinds of companies attract you in the AI domain? So I would tell you that um, I think for us particularly. Um, you know, we've had great success and great opportunity working with companies that are really looking at um, areas that have not yet touched by technology and that where AI can really make a huge difference uh, in terms of uh, the amount of data that these industries already have. I mentioned manufacturing and mining and oil and gas, but I think that, you know, if you look at ag tech, and if you look at, um, you know, as I mentioned, um, smart cities and mobility, there is tremendous amount of data in these industries. And, um, and we've, we've kind of looked and, and seen companies coming out of Israel particularly and entrepreneurs who are unfazed by approaching industries like that, which, mm -hmm. you know, you really need to understand how do you get in there how do you sell to these old industries? How do you really create a champion internally that will able to then adapt, you know, kind of a, a very early and very um, new technology that they haven't seen, you know, in many years and provide the data in order to, you know, create a really sophisticated output for them. Um, so, you know, I mentioned that, um, you know, one of our companies, Waycare, uh, it's a team of data scientists, and uh, uh, they look at all the data that cities are, are coming up with. So cities have tremendous data on transportation and on traffic with regards to, you know, uh, previous accidents that happen and traffic congestions that happen historically. And then there is so much data that comes out of the vehicles today because of, you know, the technology that they are built inside. And, mm -hmm. and so WayCare is able to take technologies from the vehicle through partnerships with companies like Waze and other companies, as well as uh, data from the city, and combine that in order to then provide predicted, um, you know, solution for the, for the cities and where accidents are, are going to happen in the next few hours and how to deploy, therefore, their, um, you know, highway patrol and other resources in the city in order to prevent all of these congestions from happening. Uh, and it's very interesting to see them actually live working today in Nevada and in other um, states. And it's, it's great to see that cities are really opening up to opening up. adapting technologies like that. Um, and so uh, this is, you know, you know and, and, and yeah. One of my observations is that this hotshot machine learning engineer from Technion doesn't always have the domain knowledge with which to bring AI into a particular industry sector, whether it's insurance or retail or fashion or 
uh, aeronautics or whatever, you know, there is a there is a domain bridging that needs to happen. So when when people think that okay, I'm going to go into such and such domain and and you know upend everything that's going on in that domain by applying machine learning. I think it would be very helpful for them to go recruit somebody who's a domain expert in that domain, one or two people who can really help them understand what happens in that domain, what are the workflows, what are the problems, and, and how to sell into that domain, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And so if you see, you know, a lot of AI companies that are, I think, popping everywhere outside of Silicon Valley, I think it's very, very healthy. And um, when I mentioned, you know, aerobotics going into the mining business. Mining, yeah. And, and, Completely you know, different work how do you, Yeah, how do you really, you know, go into an industry like that? Um, I, don't forget that a lot of Israeli founders, although, you know, they came out from great uh, educational background, they spent sometimes three, four, five, even ten years building systems for the Israeli military. Right. So they had very hands-on approach working with very sophisticated systems um, in, in the field in conditions that are not necessarily lab conditions, but they're mm -hmm. very, um, you know, harsh conditions. And I think because of that, for them to go into, you know, areas in, in, um, that are, you know, for oil refineries or mining or farming is not really, um, you know, a scary thing for them. And, and so, therefore, they are really looking to go into areas like that. And I think that's where the opportunity is in the future in these industries. On that note, thank you, Shuli. Great conversation. Thank you for sharing the details thank of what you. you're seeing. Thank you for spending the time with us. Absolutely. Cool. Thank you for having me, and keep up the great work. I love what you're doing. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it.